0: Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He is Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. It's here. Magic preseason begins. No more waiting around. FIBA Franz Wagner got his bronze medal for Germany at Eurobasket, and that covered a lot of the NBA offseason gap. Central Floridians are currently in recovery mode following Hurricane Ian's impacts on the state. There are still communities flooded and without power. The magic... Even lost two practice days, which doesn't help their preparation for the season. We're going to discuss this. We're going to discuss the roster, what we're looking forward to, and what we're looking at of these preseason exhibition games. Let's go. All the way straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on a seven-six guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes, and
1: one two, seven, Here's Turk for the win. They're are, oh man, you, gotta be kidding me. you gotta be kidding me! I have never seen anything like that. Oh my goodness.
0: All right, we are recording uh, Monday afternoon, October 3rd. You'll likely listen to this after tonight's first Magic preseason game in Memphis against the Grizzlies. Uh, so yeah, Magic Basketball's back. Penny, you and I haven't done an episode together in a while, so. As we go over the roster, we'll kind of sprinkle in some news along the way. Um, all right, let's talk Hurricane Ian first. So, uh, you know, I'm an overshare. You can share however much you want. But um, so the Magic didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday last week because a huge category four hurricane came in barreling through the southwest of Florida. Tampa got spared yet again. They are really lucky, let me tell you, man. Um, Naples, Fort Myers, that whole area got wrecked by massive storm surge, rain, winds. It just, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Ian's status eventually gets elevated to Category Five once the they do like that whole weather forensics thing um, after storms go through. Personally, I got through Ian overall fine. Um, didn't lose power, so thank you, OUC. I, you know, I had spectrum internet throughout for, you know, except for maybe for about like six hours on Thursday. So I was doing some work when my colleagues couldn't during that time. So, um, you know, I only had to deal with basically like a gutter issue that was causing problems in the back of my house. Um, which my gutters and my fence were already previously like wrecked by, uh, by heavy thunderstorms, uh, already over like a month ago. And I already got like the insurance money for that. So I just need to get the work done. Now it's just a matter of, do I wait longer because I'm, um, you know, there might be more hurricanes coming or, or what, but that's, that's a me issue, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, you know, uh, for with Ian, I really only had to deal with the, you know, a gutter issue. My neighborhood and street did flood, um, because there's like a canal that wraps around the neighborhood and across it, but it never got to like my driveway and it didn't really threaten getting into houses on my street. So, you know, this huge, uh, there's a huge housing construction area behind me that's existed for two years, you know, behind my house and they, it has a retention pond and that thing just swelled up and flowed like a river. It, it looked like the ocean back there at times during the hurricane. Um, and they haven't started building actual housing yet there. And they were lucky because of that because all that probably would have been wrecked had they done so. Um, and overall, I was lucky. Charlie and Irma were way worse, you know, hurricanes for me personally. You know, back in 04, we had Charlie, Francis, and Gene. I was living with my folks in Conway when I was 16 years old. Charlie came and went within seven hours. But it was a small, fierce category four. You know, it was it, you know, small in size, but it was just fast, compact, and fierce. And, you know, we were still getting cat two winds and like 110 mile per hour gusts by the time Charlie's eye wall hit my house in Conway back then. And it was like a bomb went off and there were tornadoes nearby. The whole freight train sounds is a real thing that does happen. Um, you get tree fence, roof, shingle debris everywhere after Charlie, it just, there wasn't like a spot on a sidewalk or street that just was not impacted or touched with debris from that storm. Um, And I didn't have power for a week after Charlie, and it took like power line crews from Ohio, Indiana, and North Carolina to get us back up and running. And because it was August of that 2004, it was unbelievably hot and muggy and humid that week. It felt like you lived in a swamp. Um, With Ian, same path as Charlie, uh, just much, much larger storm in size and very slow moving ian was all about rain and storm surge you know in in orlando at most we got 60 70 mile per hour gust because ian slowly moved inland and weakened just not great but manageable um after 2004 and ermine 2017 most of our roofs can handle sustained category three winds um at least that's what they tell us when they put them up there um but because Ian was so massive, it it dumped in two days up to like two feet of rain in some parts of central Florida. Um, us in Orlando, like I live in Minglewood Park. Um, you know, we got about 15 inches of rain, which was less than the projected 18, 24 inches because Ian weakened quicker, thankfully. Um, but places like Kissimmee. Altamont Springs, parts of UCF and other areas, you know, it's four or five days later and they're still underwater. If you lived close to a retention pond, lake or river, which most folks in Orlando do, you likely dealt with some capacity of flooding. Um, there are parts of Orlando that flooded that I never expected to flood. Uh, lake Eola flooded out Robinson street. Um, Orange Avenue in several spots was flooded the econ river from like lake underhill up to the ucf area just buried houses underwater um you know blanchard park you could fit like a submarine underneath it it was there's so much flooding uh you know lake monroe was all over sanford downtown sanford much of sanford so you know with some of these incidents it's it's poor draining Some of it, it's building on swamp, you know, former swampland, and the rest is just poor planning in general. So, some of it is unavoidable, though, and areas that never flood just got wrecked this time. And that devastating flooding is why Ian will be Orlando's most expensive hurricane and natural disaster ever. You know, more likely than not, odds on. Um, A lot of folks. Don't have flood insurance. They have hurricane insurance, obviously, but with insurance companies failing left and right in the state, that's going to be a lot of suffering because of that. Um, so I hope anyone negatively impacted by Ian gets through eventually okay. You know, the magic—they've donated a million dollars to the cause. Orlando City's donated five hundred thousand dollars to the Red Cross. Cool. Give more if you can, please. Um, you know, it's better than nothing. But you know, it's a tax write-off for you guys. At the end of the day, we're lucky. It hasn't rained since Ian, uh, you know, and it likely won't rain uh, for the whole week, honestly. So, you know, Ian was such a force that it brought cool weather when it left. I mean, we we don't see 60 degree lows and 80 degree highs that early into October, but that's what's going on right now. So folks without power have at least decent weather going on for them. Penny, uh, what was your experience? If you want to share what's your kind of thoughts post storm?
1: Yeah, I, certainly with all the uh, devastation that you say, I mean, utter devastation and um, so much standing water everywhere to complain about a tree falling or anything is very small potatoes. So I made it out well in East Orlando. I um, actually kept power the whole time, which is a first for me in any storm situation. Wow! Uh, so that was nice. And uh, like you say, at least the... The uh, small, tiniest of silver linings is that people without power haven't had the ninety degree uh, hot, humid days when they're trying to sort through everything. Um, just the the scenes were unreal um, and hopefully that you know, it'll take time, but everyone will recover, and things are just things, right? So.
0: Yeah, is with your neighborhood? Are is, is, are the lines underground or are,
1: you, or are they above? Like like you know my old ass neighborhood. Yeah, the lines are underground, which um, I think tends to be more favorable, but is not necessarily a, a fail safe. But in this instance, it worked out quite well.
0: Yeah, I got I got lucky because because of this new housing project that's being built behind me. OUC like revamped and like strengthened like some of their some of their kind of main power sources which my i'm very close to one and i think that's because and that's why this time you know i my power held strong like i only literally had one on off flicker and that was it like i i was very surprised because even with irma like i lost power for i think a day um but you know it, it worked out so yeah um, all right, let's talk magic and get into training camp and what we want to see from them in preseason. Um, I'm only focusing on the 16 permanent roster guys because, you know, someone isn't going to be here in two weeks <laughs> you know, with, uh, Admiral Schofield, Kevon Harris and the exhibit 10 guys. I'll leave them out. Cause they're, you know, either going to remain two way guys or be, you know, be joining Lakeland soon. Um, Again, we haven't done a podcast in a while. So on August 31st, the Magic's new Advent Health Training Center, which is a $70 million facility, opened. Adrian Wojnarowski was the first to tweet about it. So he kind of built the hype up for the team. Uh, but, you know, the project itself, it was late to open by about two months. Uh, but that's not bad at all, um, considering the pandemic and you know resources being short and whatnot so um and they did this project in less than two years the magic they had a ribbon cutting ceremony that day um the biggest upgrades i spot immediately with this thing uh, you know between this and practicing at amway center are going from one practice court to two plus two like half court shooting areas so you can call it two and a half plus courts now um You got a much larger gym, workout space, much better team video room for sure. It's like a theater, basically. Um, all of the medical and recovery equipment space upgrades are just immense. And the player's locker rooms look really awesome. like each player basically gets their own walk-in closet room. It's supposedly 40% larger than any other NBA facility in the league, which that's, that's big. That's, that's huge. Um, They have magic have the first NBA altitude chamber. You know, they have so many cameras in that place that they can dedicate a camera to every player on the, you know, on the practice courts to evaluate. Um, They have an outdoor putt putt area. They've got family rooms. They got a barber shop chair situation going on there um and it's going to be just a big free agency draw in the future just ask a guy like desmond bain who tweeted about it and then took the tweet down because probably somebody from the grizzlies yelled at him but um all of the magic, you know all the magic uh players currently on the team are just kind of like kids in a candy store when they're in that training center um and then the wall with the name of every magic player in team history is a nice touch but kind of what what's your viewpoints on that training center penny
1: I I love the uh, tribute to history. Incidentally, did you see the new Mavericks court where they have every Mavericks player's name on the sideline baseline wrapping around? Very cool. It um, is very
0: cool. They also, also uh the ones on the championship Mavericks team are kind of, I have a different color, so it pops out more. So that's really cool. Yeah.
1: Um. Look, overall, you, everyone's seen, obviously, the photos and the videos, and I'm sure – all of our listeners took in, you know, all of the media day stuff. So you probably get a sense of the, of the building and the entire facility. I would just say, imagine, uh, that you're a 20 year old NBA player. Like it it's, it's going to be hard to leave there, which is exactly what the team wants. I mean, obviously you're trying to cater to the players, but by, by making it a uh, comprehensive and state of the art and, you know, paying attention to every finer detail you're also going to get uh more out of the employees so to speak um certainly i would spend all day in there if i was in their shoes yeah it
0: it it looks like fun and honestly a, a part of my brain actually thought that the magic might actually have the players like hunkered down in the training center for the hurricane but um You know, they didn't do that, but I mean, they, they, they kind of would have had everything they needed in there as far as space and food and they have a freaking theater room. You could watch movies during the damn thing if you wanted to, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, you know, it's, if the magic start improving and start winning games, like that's, that's going to fare pretty good for them as a, as a good recruiting tool. Um, so you mentioned media day, media day was last Monday, September 26. I've watched a lot of the coverage. Have you watched a lot of the videos or just a few here and there? Well, I've, I've taken in
1: several hours.
0: <laughs> All right. Actually, that sounds, that might be more than me. I mean, it's, it was a lot of, it was a lot of hours of footage basically. Um, so you actually might end up watching more than me and I, I saw a lot of it, but, um, and then I saw a lot of kind of blogs and, pods uh, podcast got to go there and cover it which is awesome but my fair warning to you all is do not drink the kool-aid some of you did and it's gonna hurt you long term and what you expect and how you see this team um you know i've covered media days in the past and especially if it's like the first time you're doing it you kind of get lost in all the positivity it can be drowning sometimes how how much positive stuff comes out of that but you know, because everything seems perfect at media day. And even after a few training camp days, but it's really all just talk and you can't truly judge until you see those guys playing actual games, but the team, they seem loose, motivated, confident, cohesive, but until you see kind of this season's version of pace, space and pass against real NBA opposition, you just don't know. Um, Not having Non magic employee uh, veteran media present is a big problem in my eyes. Few folks are asking tough questions. There's there's some fanboying going on as well, and it's a bit cringy in my mind. And I miss Josh Robbins. Um, you know, one one big question I would have liked to have known was why was Jonathan Isaac's hamstring, uh, surgical procedure deemed minor, yet five months later he's still not normal and not practicing five on five, even though he's sharing videos of himself dunking without ankle leg supports um i just want more kind of questioning pushback against weltman um just kind of fuck the selfies and just ask better questions but i don't know any any thoughts any uh additional stuff with with that penny
1: yeah i mean it's it's a supposed to be a fun positive day but it is it is uh um, you know, if you, when when you don't have any anything to judge it off of, then Larry Hughes looks like uh, the best point guard acquisition in the world, and you know, 2012 <laughs> or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, in and we'll get into uh, all of it. But um, yeah, it's in the same way that you like a veteran presence in the locker room, you also like a veteran presence in the media workspace too.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. The Magic, they made some internal staffing changes this summer. I'm not going to go over them. The list is out there. But, you know, there's coaching, shooting, many areas kind of got updated. There's always going to be turnover within a team, except, you know, Ernest Eugene is still the head athletic trainer entering his fourth year. And Lindsay Winninger uh, enters her third year as the high performance director. And depending on where we end up injury wise, uh, you know, this season, it may be long time to mix up those positions um there's just no more excuses now that you have the best training facility in basketball like we can't lead the league for a third consecutive season and games lost due to injury um and then with magic training camp having you know ongoing markel fultz gary harris and jonathan isaac are all not involved in five on five but um anything else or you want, should we just dive into these players penny
1: uh, to the best of my knowledge, both Joe Rogowski and Keon Weiss uh, reside in Orlando again, so we should have their number somewhere in the Rolodex just in case.
0: Yeah, no, especially Joe for sure. Um, yeah. All right. Here we go. Let's get into these 16 players a bit. So I'm going to start off with Markel Fultz. So Fultz is in a boot right now. He recently broke his left toe. He did it walking around his home and stubbed it, I guess, after, you know, after practicing with guys, I guess. Um, common, commonplace injury, you know, guys bang, you know, bang their foot, bang their toes on, you know, on heavy objects all the time. And unfortunately for faults, he, he broke his toe because of it. Um, everything indicates he's in great condition because this injury happened recently. So the less time he misses off the floor, the less ramp up time he'll need to get that conditioning back up. Um, I really, really hope faults being out for training camp and some or all of preseason doesn't negatively impact his entire season. Like it has others in the past, like Aaron Gordon, Chumo Kiki, Mo Bamba are pretty good examples. Um, and this is an enormous season for Markel in terms of his magic and NBA career moving forward, because the magic next summer could completely walk away from him with how his contract is structured. And so, I need Markel healthy. If he's healthy, if he's starting, we, we have a shot at the play-in. If he's not, and he's playing like less than 55 games, I don't think we do. Um, He's the quiet leader of this team. Even in a boot, he's involved in practices. His, he's dishing passes and drills like Paolo Ben was talking about, you know, how it Markel is kind of giving him, you know, answering questions, giving him tips and stuff because Markel is a former number one draft pick. He's, been through the highs and lows of that uh probably more than almost any number one draft pick ever um you know if that toe gives him trouble when he comes back uh we're in trouble you know he's in trouble we're in trouble and i just i need him to get healthy quick and fast and we're just a better team when he's out there you know we we, he proved it late last season when he came back in like late february early march and he um you know, he bought, he, he was amazing. You know, it, it's not even about the scoring. It's, it's the distribution, it's the vision and you need a floor leader like him and he's got it. Um, and the shooting is almost a bonus in my eyes in, in that regard. But, um, and then I'd also like to see faults have the opportunity to back up that, those, that fourth seed tweet that he's sending out and how he kind of backed it up in, in, uh, at media day as well. So, uh, thoughts on Markel.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think its uh, he's uh, unquestionably the leader of the team, even if Cole is more out front and vocal, and you can tell the type of respect that he commands from everyone else on the roster. That being said, in order to maintain that position, you have to produce on the floor, which in small sample sizes last year, you know he's capable of doing. Um, Hopefully this is a quick return and there's an opportunity for him to play a full season and build and grow. I don't think we know, um, you know, I don't think we know exactly what the ceiling can be, uh, but he's got to be available to try and reach those heights. So uh, as with many people on the roster, it's just going to be pretty fascinating to see what unfolds this year for him individually.
0: Yeah, buddy. All right. You mentioned Cole Anthony, uh, speaking of Cole Anthony, or I guess we should call him swole Anthony. Um, he put on, he says he put on six to seven pounds of muscle, which it's very noticeable in his arms. Um, that should help him finish through contact better. Um, he should handle contact better defensively. Uh, you know, it hopefully will kind of lower his injury risk a bit. Um, hopefully his speed and jump and burst are not negatively impacted by it or that his shot, you know hopefully doesn't get worse because of it uh cole says he's looking to become an all-star and so his confidence certainly isn't waning yet nor should it he's our vocal team leader um whether he's coming off the bench or not he's he's our vocal team leader he's very supportive of of the rest of the team and you need guys like that um but he has to shoot better than 34 on threes and he has to improve his on-ball defending otherwise cole is never going to be more than a bench guy um, yeah, it's you know he could end up going down the path of like a DJ Augustine or you know I think he can be better than than Jamir Nelson was. Um, I know Jameer peaked Jamir when he was an All Star before the shoulder injury. Well, you know, wasn't All Star, so um, it he could definitely reach that. It's just you know, can he can he shoot consistently enough? Can he be uh less of a defensive liability if he can? he's got a shot to get minutes at point guard and shooting guard a lot of minutes, um, whether Suggs or falter in his way or not, like, you know, early last season, he was you know averaging over 20 points per game for a month or two there. Now he was shooting it a lot, but he wasn't very efficient. I think he was shooting still in like the mid 30% from three point range, even though he was going off. So, um, It's going to be interesting with him now, with Foltz out, with Gary Harris out. Like Cole's got a chance to kind of do, show us what he's got in preseason. And we'll see with him. Uh, What are your Cole Anthony thoughts, Benny?
1: Yeah. um, Look, the make or break time for him for his career is coming sooner rather than later. Uh, You're right. The biggest thing is going to be his ability to consistently uh, stroke the outside shot. But also uh, playing off the ball, there's going to be, I think, he's he's going to probably slot into the starting lineup now, especially with Markel being out, presumably to start the season. Um, but after that, it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be the super six man or how that's going to work with him starting or coming off the bench. But Either way, depending on, uh, you know, no matter if he's starting or coming off the bench, I think there's going to be a lot less time where he is dominating the basketball. So what's he going to be able to accomplish off the ball uh, on the offensive end? Is he going to be able to get in a rhythm and still contribute the kind of volume scoring that we're accustomed to without being as ball dominant as he has been in the past? Um, and finally it's, it's really like, again, many other people on the roster, it's going to come down, come down to shot making and especially shot making behind the arc.
0: Yeah, buddy. Uh, yeah. With, and with Cole, look, it's not a failure. If he ends up being like a backup point guard for us, like you need guys like that. And especially a guy like him who can score over 20 points per game on any given night, like you need guys like him. So we'll see. You know, I don't know if his ego can handle it. You know, it seems like it can right now, but that could change in a year or two. But um,
1: what's your take for output? Do you think that he scores uh, over under 14.9 points (sighs) per game?
0: I think he's under. I think he's he's going to add. Well, damn, because Fultz is going to be out probably a bit. Um, uh no, I'll say Fultz doesn't miss much time. I'll say he's slightly under. I think he hovers between like 13 14. You kind of gave me an out with the 14.9. So I'm gonna go under. But um I, I if he's if he can be efficient, then that's fine. If he's if he's averaging that, but still shooting like low 30 percent three point range, and like he's still in the like the lower you know, third of the league amongst guards when it comes to finishing at the rim, that's a problem. So um you know, if he's efficient, then I I almost don't care about his points per game. But you know, what do you think? Do you think he's going under or over?
1: I I it's I think it depends on what his role ends up being. I wouldn't be surprised to see him up around sixteen a game if we, uh, kind of you know turn the reins over in the second unit. But it, it's really going to be interesting, and I think lineup dependent on how much. Uh, we put on Paolo and and Franz and even Jalen in terms of creation to see what's left for Cole.
0: Yeah, because I mean, Cole. One of the things Cole mentioned he worked on was off-ball shooting, which made me think like, okay, he's gonna be more of a spot-up guy, which I think that's you know pretty ideal for him. But historically, shooting percentage-wise, he's a better shooter off the dribble than he is spot-up. So we'll see if if that kind of shifts with him. If he can be a better off-ball shooter then you're going to see him playing some shooting guard kind of like when like Jameer did when we had Steve Francis. Like I can see that. Um, yeah, that that's my viewpoint on that. So, all right, let's get into Gary Harris. Um, Woj on August 27th, they tweeted out that Gary suffered a torn meniscus in his left knee. He then had an arthroscopic surgery procedure performed, uh, on September 1st to repair it. I've looked around online. Um, there's some pretty good twitter doctors as well like he could be good in two months maybe even less which puts him uh, you know uh, on a return by no later than november 1st so you know within the first two weeks of the regular season which we'll see if it's longer than that i you know my tanking radar kind of kind of gets going gets turned on you know i i, I might be su- suspecting some subtle tanking at that point but um I'm still happy that we were able to resign him though, because he's our top veteran. Like, I think he's, he's a perfect guy to have for this team, even though he's only 27, 28 years old. Like um, he's kind of wise behind beyond his years is my viewpoint with him either Suggs or Cole. I think, I I think it was Suggs was sharing on Instagram video of Gary Harris kind of dribbling a few weeks ago, kind of working out and, you know Gary's been in camp drills, so he seems to be close to returning. Like he's he's working out. Like I don't see any limitations with him. So prior to this injury, you know I thought Gary was going to be our starting shooting guard. Um, we'll see if he plays in the preseason. If he does, that door kind of remains open, uh, especially if Suggs is kind of struggling with a shot still. We already have an enormous kind of veteran shooting shortage, though, and. You know, with no Gary Ross, Terrence Ross is the only active veteran we have, basically. And I'm uneasy about that. Um, What's your Gary Harris viewpoint?
1: Uh, Well, it'll be interesting to see again when he's cleared to return and when he ramps up to full volume. Um, That is that is the early tank watch. Um, I'm interested to see if it ends up being the same thing as last year with regard to basically alternating. Uh, Gary Harris and Terrence Ross and to see if somebody ends up sliding out of the uh, regular rotation um, or if uh, you know obviously if there's a move made but um, look you you know what you're going to get with him he was great last year when he was healthy Um, and if we're looking to do something towards competing or at least playing meaningful games for a longer period of time then you'd love to see him on the floor and you know shooting the shit out of the ball from the corners at least.
0: Yeah, he was elite corner three-point shooter um last season. That was with the bad first two months of the season. So um you know you always worry about guys who get hurt, you know, before or during training camp and they miss out on preseason and early regular season and they're playing catch up the whole rest of the season. Like it's it's tough, man. There's there's some guys handle it just fine. Some guys, it seems like all of them that play for the magic that run into it, run into issues. So we'll see, but, um, all right, let's get into Terrence Ross. So Terrence Ross is 31 years old. he's The oldest player on the team by three to four years. I think this is the first time in magic history that I am older than any player on the magic roster. So, you know, <laughs> losing Robin Lopez was, uh, was rough in that regard. Um, But Ross, I viewed it as Ross quitting, quit on the team last season. He shot and defended horribly. He acted like he was getting traded, but no one wanted him because he was playing horribly. So now he's playing nice. He's saying the correct things again. Other people view him as a leader. I certainly don't. Um, Something in the back of my head says that if, you know, in preseason, Ross shows even just decent shooting again, that, he'll be the one traded for two second round picks. And that's how we get down to 15 kind of full-time magic contracts. Um, Especially with Gary being kind of close to coming back, or at least I think it looks like he's close to coming back. And then T Ross is on an expiring contract. and I just don't see him sticking around past the season, especially after we've signed Gary. Um, What are your Ross views? I know we've been over this a lot, but you know, we might be repeating ourselves a bit here.
1: It's always surprising that the rest of the roster seems to revere him. And I don't know if that's because they're young or if there's something that we're missing. Um, Cause outwardly it seems like not the best uh, veteran presence to shepherd the youth into competing and ultimately winning. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, obviously he has eclectic interests and has a personality uh, that people seem to enjoy um and a burgeoning uh entertaining podcast career or whatever he wants to do streaming um he's played basically average to below average basketball for the entirety of his magic career save for the contract season yeah. um Not all of that is on him. The roster construction for almost the entirety of his time here has been poor Mm -hmm. and he's had to both take and make very difficult shots. That being said, he's supposed to be a shooter and his shooting percentages have been less than great. So, uh, who knows how the back is or if the back is a real thing this year. Um, I don't have any expectation of him performing at a higher level than he has for every year, except for part of the contract year. And if we can get anything in return, as we get closer to the deadline, then I think that's a win for the team moving forward. And he's done his time and is on to the next stop. And we appreciate that, you know, People like him and he seems to have enjoyed the city. So that's been good. And, uh, I think the time is winding down with D Ross.
0: How do I get Jay Crowder on our team? Like
1: I, I'll take that guy, man. <laughs> Cause, oh right.
0: uh, man, I mean, with Ross, I, I look, man, I guess it helps when you're really good at video games and you, you know, you're, you do the Twitch streaming thing. Um, and I guess maybe more kids that more, more of those guys that are in their early twenties are into conspiracy theories more than you and I are. I don't know, but, um, Yeah, it's, he shot 29% for three last season. Like he, as you, as you said, he's basically been in, not basically, he has been in a decline since the contract year, since like that 2019 playoffs, uh, playoff team, playoff run. So um, yeah, it's, you know, last year he had mentioned how he, he he took like his back got shot up and, Looked like it held up, I think, and got him through the season. I don't know where he's at now with that, but um, I mean yes, he still threw down some ridiculously awesome dunks, so good on him for still being that athletic. Um, but, you know, it's not just about the tough shots. Even catch-and-shoot, like he was bad catch-and-shoot-wise last season. And, um, yeah, it's it's one of those where, he, you know, it, either – he really changed, you know, something really changed where he really wants to genuinely be here. Maybe watching Paolo Benquiro really was a, you know, a revelation for him. I don't know, but, um, I just think that he's, he's playing nice one way or another, whether that's to get out of here or just to keep kind of maintaining, uh, what he's got going on in Orlando. But, um, yeah, I, I have my doubts with T Ross. So anyway, all right, let's get into Jalen Suggs. So, um, he has to find a shot point blank. Like if Suggs doesn't find a shot, he's going to be a bust of a fifth pick. Uh, You know, he had a worse shooting rookie season last season than Alfred Payton did. Like it, it has to improve his defense is arguably elite right now. You know, Jeff Wellman likes the whole 90th percentile thing and Suggs is a 90th percentile defender. So can he grab hold of that starting shooting guard spot? That's that's just a question I got for him, point blank, because the door is open for him, the path is open. Like it's not gonna T. Ross ain't going to be starting. Gary Harris is out right now. Cole, you know he Cole and him could be the main two competitors for that shooting guard spot, or maybe even slide Franz at, at starting shooting guard. Like maybe that's how negatively Mosley and the coaching staff view Suggs that they're willing to put a, a Franz Wagner at shooting guard just so that they can get. Another good big guy to 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 get on the floor more. I don't know, but what what, what are your Suggs viewpoints? Because look, he had some injuries last season. Like like you can't do nothing when it when you have Joel Embiid like coming down hard with his hand and breaking your hand. Like that's a big freaking dude that's gonna hurt anybody in that situation. So you know there's nothing you can do with a with a broken hand. You know, but even before the broken hand, like he had shooting issues and he got a little bit better towards the end of the season. And we'll see if he can get his percentages up. Even if he can get them into the low 30% from three point range, that's a big upgrade for him. That's how bad his rookie season was.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously the injuries, there was a lot of stopping and starting and hard to really build that gradual momentum throughout the year. They tried to spin it positively and say he had more time to, you know, dissect this level of play and really kind of reframe his mental approach with the assistant coaches, which could be true or not. Um, Shooting is the biggest thing. Uh, The second biggest thing I think is the, like he, he had very loose handles, very loose ball handling last year, got into a lot of trouble. Um, Is it important for him to clean that up? I think it is. Um, but also, if there's more creation again being laid at the feet of both Franz and Paolo, then shooting becomes all that much more important too. So, uh, you're, I think you're looking to see improvement in both of those areas, would uh, be fitting a top five pick. Um, but if you see improvement in one of those areas, then I think it's a win for building into the future. As long as you're not losing anything on the defensive side of the ball, do you see him in the starting lineup for the entirety of this season?
0: I hope so for his sake, because if he's in there, then most likely he's earning it. And look, man, if, if Suggs is hidden threes, like our outlook has got a whole lot better uh, because. He's gonna be. He's already like a really freaking good defender. So if he can be even just an average shooter, uh, that that's big for for a guy in his in his sophomore season. So, I, 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 I just I don't think he's gonna pull it off. I think there's either early on, like Gary's gonna come back and he'll start, or maybe they're gonna like seeing Franz Wagner at the shooting guard a lot, and that's where we're gonna go. But um. I just, I have my doubts. Um, I'd like to be proven wrong, just like Franz proved everybody wrong. Um, but that's my viewpoint right now. What do you think? You think he's going to, he's going to get a hold of that shooting guard spot.
1: I, I think they're going to give him every opportunity to. So. Oh yeah. I, I, do you, okay. Let's say that it's marginal improvement at best at that. When do you start to worry about his prospects for the future? Is it still a free pass for this year?
0: I mean, he's got, I mean, if he's struggling the entire season and like, we don't even see like a good month that, I mean, there's concern. There has to be concern. Like, I don't know if you can cut your losses and then we're going to be looking back at like, why didn't we do that Donovan Mitchell trade that I was talking about? But, um, oh man, um, yeah, now nah, I don't know if you can do that because especially if he stays healthy, like this is going to be like his first full healthy season, but, you just can't give up on somebody that young and who has kind of that kind of that blue chip background as a prospect. so uh, i I would think that he would have to change a lot of things that of what he's currently doing in the off season to to really make it or break it at that point. but um, you know my viewpoint coming out of last season's, you know last year's draft with with him, like I you know, I wasn't happy with the pick. Um, I mean, I wasn't happy with either pick obviously, which I'm famous or infamous for and people like to give me shit for, which is fine. You know, I, I we've, we've apologized for Franz Wagner. Um, so far Suggs, you know, he's, he's got a lot of catching up to do with some of those other project prospects like Kaminga or, or Josh Giddy. So, um, but for Suggs to be successful. And I said this, I think the day after the draft or even maybe that like the same night of the draft, like he needs to be, uh, become a Brandon Roy. He needs to be what Brandon Roy was in Portland where, you know, he can dribble it a little bit here and there, but you're, he's out there to score. He's out there to shoot the ball. And if he can't do that, then, and he's, he ends up being like some kind of glorified like Alfred Payton or like a poor man's Russell Westbrook, then that's just a bad pick. And that's where I'm at with that. Anything else?
1: Uh, It's just going to be, I think eventually at some point this season, it's going to be dog eat dog. And uh i think that's just going to be good for everybody because somebody's going to have to rise to the top and there's a fair opportunity for it to be jalen
0: yeah no it's it's a more than fair opportunity like it's it's there so all right let's talk about jonathan Isaac and get him out of the way so uh he still doesn't exist in my eyes until he's on the floor in an actual nba game for him to still not be on the floor even though he's doing drills with coaches and moving fine either I view it as either he's going to be part of a trade that happens before the season starts. Uh, either we're tanking or we're waiving him next summer and taking the $7 million cap hit and limiting his games to, to get us to that point. Um, again, my subtle fear is that we're, we're going to be tanking. Um, I haven't seen full on evidence of that, but like there's, there's background stuff kind of starting to, Rise to the surface a little bit there that, that that's worrying me that we're going to try and go after like scoot henderson or women yama or something like that but um you know especially the longer fulton and harris sit out but you know j.i is 25 years old today it's his birthday today there's no more youth potential on his side like the time of patience is at the end like he's either a contributor this season or he's never contributing in a magic jersey ever again no matter how much the devos family may love him and you know That's that's my viewpoint with him, but he's he's doing drills. He's you know, he's not doing five on five practice, but it's it seems seems like he might be close. But he's saying the same stupid shit he said last year where he's like, hey, I could play today. But in reality, he couldn't. And he didn't. So, um, you know, any any thoughts on Isaac, Penny?
1: Uh, It's just going to be hard. It's going to be hard to count him in for anything until you see something and even then it's going to be hard to believe that it'll sustain. Uh I do think it's noteworthy that he <laughs> uh he doesn't seem to have lost the rest of the locker room in what we're privy to which yeah. to me is interesting. Um and yeah, I we'll, we'll see what happens at least he can travel with the team to Toronto now.
0: Yeah, Canada dropped their uh their covid uh vaccine, uh, mandatory stipulations, I guess, or mandatory requirements. So, um, it looks like Isaac can now actually get into Canada. So, um, he got off the hook with that, I guess. Um, all right, let's get into something a little bit more hopeful. Uh, Paulo Bencaro, we, we didn't talk Seattle crossover pro-am together yet. So what looked like kind of a rolled ankle for Chet Holmgren at the Seattle crossover pro-am game that, Jamal Crawford host that Palo played in. It got canceled in the second quarter because Chet got hurt early in the game and there was just condensation everywhere, making the floor slippery and whether, you know, LeBron James driving to Chet home contributed to it or not. It doesn't matter because come to find out Chet suffered ligament damage to his foot. Holmgren's out for the season with a Liz Frank uh, injury to his right foot. Those can take a pro athlete a full year to come back from. Um, you can kiss that Paolo Chet kind of November first TNT first matchup goodbye. I doubt we're gonna get flexed out of the TNT TV spot, even if OKC seems to be already tanking and Sam Presti's concussing his own players. Like I don't, I've never seen a game that early in the season get flexed out. So we better still have our TNT game in a few weeks. But um, I'm glad Paolo got out of that pro am healthy because someone was gonna get hurt. Chet was the unlucky one and I'm not ripping into Chet Holmgren's body. I'm not doing that. Go to magic Twitter or Reddit for that. Take Paolo really missed out, not playing for Italy in Milan in EuroBasket, both in group C play. And then in Berlin for the knockout stage, when they upset, uh, Jokic in Serbia, they, they bowed out in that tough overtime loss to France, but Italy basketball has got a hell of a future. It would have been nice if Paolo was a part of it this off season. It would have been better than the pro-ams in my eyes. Um, I hope Paolo keeps his promise for that 2023 world cup next year. I think he will play for Italy. He's got the Italian passport. He took magic media day photos with the Italian flag. It's happening if he's healthy. So also he saw what Franz is becoming to German basketball. He could easily do yeah. the same thing in Italy. You know, again, I'm not joking or exaggerating when I say Paolo could be the Giannis that of Italian yeah. basketball. So, you know, so far in training camp, Paolo's saying all the right things. He looks confident. He's focusing on winning with the team, but that he also wants to win rookie of the year. That's what I want to hear from him. He doesn't realize the type of pool and power he has as a number one pick yet, which is fine. Like I don't want him to be spoiled with that yet. But that transfer transformation is going to be fascinating to see. Um Coach Mosley, he said that Paolo is going to handle the ball at times, which is good. I want him and Franz to handle the ball at times, especially with faults out. I want to see Paolo rack up a few 20-plus point games in preseason. If he does that on decent shooting percentages, then we're off and running towards competing. And yeah, I'll leave, leave the floor for you, Penny, on Paolo thoughts.
1: Yeah, so I I think the biggest thing that's going to be interesting to me to watch is the splits of where he's seeing the most playing time and the most amount of lineups. Are we going to slot him all the way down and let him be the, you know, point guard or pseudo point guard? Is he going to go up to the three or maybe even the four, depending on what we're doing? Um, So that, to me, is going to be the biggest thing to watch and the most interesting, um, you know, I think as much as I don't value the summer league <laughs> that we saw in limited action, everything that you needed to see that he's, uh, you know, competent and and ready for, for the challenge. Uh, so my question to you now is this last season, uh, Cade Cunningham scored 17.4 points per game. Is Paolo going to be higher or lower than 17.4 this season?
0: I'm over. I think I honest to God think he could average 20. I really, really do. Now, maybe we'll be a bad team for it, but I I think this kid can be lights out as a scorer. He's we need a go to alpha scorer. He's the freaking guy. And it's that's why I said it's gonna be fascinating to see in preseason like you know, he's probably gonna get what like 20 25 minutes out of the gate here in preseason maybe you know I doubt he'll get 30, 35. I don't think they'll work him that hard early on but like if he's dropping 20 here points here and there you know almost a point a minute then we're in business like th- that that's your guy and um i think I, I think it's over where were you at
1: uh i I'm hoping for over I'm not sure yet and the reason is i Although I think the personality type is there to be an alpha. I don't know to your point, how long that progression takes where, uh, instead of trying to come in and fit in and get everybody involved that he's going to, uh, fit out and start to really try and dominate. Does that happen at the beginning of the year? Does that happen closer to the end? How long does it take to find kind of that comfort level, um, and also the confidence level, you know, to play against professionals and to, you know, pour in twenty twenty five a night consistently. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him under that. But I do think that you're going to get a well-rounded game with the rebounds and the assists and uh, hopefully, you know, staying in front of people on defense to the highest degree that he can. So, uh, again, we have a lot of storylines to follow this year and Paolo is certainly going to be probably the the top one
0: because this kid historically can get to the free throw line. That's the thing that's different than any magic prospect in like a decade is this guy can get to the free throw line and if he's getting any type of foul calls going his way like he's going to he's going to You know, Franz Wagner, who very rarely was able to get to the free throw line because the Magic get no respect, he still averaged like 15.6 points per game his rookie season, right? So to go two more points above that isn't like a big stretch for me in my eyes. And obviously, Franz was very efficient. I don't expect Paolo to be nearly as efficient as Franz. I just don't, just because, you know, there's going to be teams keying in on him as well if he starts getting it going like in the first half of games. Like, I just don't. You know, I, I just expect like he'll hit us. You know, slumps here and there. It's just going to be natural uh, in my mind. But um, I I I don't think it'd be crazy to see twenty points per game from him. Um, all right, next player. So Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba looks noticeably bigger and stronger. Uh, he gave Paolo his number five jersey to switch to his I think his high school number number eleven, which he seems to be happy about. So that's fine. Um, Mo donated time, money and resources to the Ivory Coast this summer. He built basketball courts and improved plumbing and electricity in a village where he has family roots in. He donated to Ivory Coast basketball programs including a lot of shoes, a lot of you know basketball sneakers. Um, he also participated in Basketball Without Borders Africa in late August in Cairo, Egypt. He seems to be in a good spot mentally does Mo and it's it's just all about the court with him now. can he stay consistent? He was he's able to be on the floor and practice without injuries this summer. So I mean he's he's on the floor. He's doing the work. Can he stay consistent on an NBA basketball floor now? And can he make an impact in the paint? Can he post up dudes that are a foot shorter than him? Can he earn his minutes? Because I'm still a little surprised we brought him back. To be honest, um, Mo isn't a good basketball player yet. He can block shots. He can hit some shots. He can do stuff in spurts, but it hasn't come together for him. And maybe he it all comes together this season. I know late late this past season, you know, he started hitting some clutch shots late. Obviously, the games didn't matter because we were tanking, but it's, it's still something. Um, I don't know. What are your Mo Bamba thoughts, Benny?
1: This one will be interesting because last year I think that we played – two big lineups, a lot more than we will this year. So my expectation coming into this season is that you're going to see him be the backup center and only play backup center minutes, barring injury of, you know, Wendell or something crazy. Um, So I think the, the opportunity will be less. We don't know exactly what happened this summer. Was there a lack of interest or uh you know basically i'm shocked that he came back to don't know what the circumstances were with what he was looking for and what the offers were and you know going uh free agent wise so can he come and embrace this role to your point he seems to be in a good place how long does that good place last when you're playing you know maybe 18 minutes a night yeah uh, And then if you're playing that type of minute, then you really got to be shooting the ball 40% from three and block a couple shots to look like you're, you know, contributing to the level that you need to be. So um, again, for him, I think it's look, there's a lot of guys in the NBA right now that are super long, super athletic and can space the floor and hit the three ball. So how do you differentiate yourself? A lot of that is with motor that hasn't been one of his strong points Um, really seems like this is going to be kind of the really make or break year for him in terms of continuing his career in the NBA, or at least continuing it in terms of being in the rotation moving forward somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's, this is definitely it. I mean, he's, we brought him back at with uh, with a little bit more money than he would have made had we just gave him the qualifying, or had he just accepted the qualifying offer. So, I mean, to your point, yeah, I mean, who knows how much the uh, other interest of NBA teams was, but, um, you know, he's back. He's, yeah, if when, you know, we'll talk about him now, but, I mean, Wendell Carter Jr., I got him next. Um, you know, he's kind of taking a leadership role now that he's locked up, now that he's locked up the center spot. He had an awesome last season. He did. Um, Can he improve more and can he play 70 plus games? You know, durability is really the only thing you're worried about with Wendell. You know, he can handle any type of big man, except maybe Joel Embiid and almost nobody can handle Joel Embiid, but you know, Wendell is six, nine, six foot 10, but he really knows how to kind of control the pain as an undersized big. And he's knocking down threes at a rising rate. Um, you know, I'd like to see him with some Horace Grant style goggles on. I don't know if he uh, if he invested in that or not. I don't, I don't recall, but um, with with him, if he can't stay healthy, then that opens the door for a guy like Mobamba or Moritz Wagner to kind of take some of those minutes. So um, but if he can stay healthy, then and he can somehow keep improving even more than he did last season, which it looks like he's on pace to because this guy just works like a freaking demon. Like it's this guy, this guy was so happy to get out of Chicago because of the awful coaching he got from like guys like Jim Boy- you know, Boylan and uh was it Don, you know, Billy Donovan that he just grasped it and isn't letting go at this point. He's he's been so good for us, and that guy's awesome. I love Window. Um where are you at with, with Carter, Penny?
1: Yeah, the hope is that there's a different uh goggle manufacturer this year for everyone involved. At least yeah, he gets the face less. Um, the biggest thing for look, no question, I think you know, you can arguably say he was the best player on the magic last season, turned in a great year. Durability again is the biggest thing. Um, but I think he his willingness to shoot the basketball from the outside last year uh, was the – he was most willing last year as compared to previously in his career, and that set up the biggest advantage for him, which was the pump fake. So how is he going to build on that this year? Uh, Got to be equally willing to shoot the, the ball from distance and to make it, and then what has he done to expand his game and add on to that? Um, hopefully we'll get to see that for at least 70, 75 games this season.
0: He might have a shot at making an all-star team. Like if we're, if we're, if we're kind of hovering around playing territory when like, uh, you know, for, for much of this first half of the season, like he's going to be a big part of that. He might not score like 18 a game. He might be down at like 15, but if he's racking up like 15, 12 boards, you know, two assists, get like a steal and a block per game, like he's he's going to be on the outside in that kind of conversation. Um, Yeah, this kid, I, I, I like Wendell a lot, man, and he's he's probably like a top three leader on this team. Like I, it's basically, I rank it kind of like Markel Cole and Wendell is probably the third guy right now from a leadership perspective. Um, and I guess Gary somewhere, somewhere close, somewhere there, but, um, yeah, this, this guy has been something special in, um, yeah, he's, he's a big reason why that Vucevic trade looks mm-hmm. good at this point. I mean, obviously so is Franz and so is, uh, the Bulls draft pick that we're going to be getting next year, uh, most likely. But um, yeah, that that Carter kid is is good. Um, all right, let's do some Franz Wagner stuff. So, because I was obviously doing all these solo pods without you, Benny. But because um, the last time the listeners list you know heard for me, it was after Germany upset Greece in the quarterfinals to make the EuroBasket semifinals we haven't done a pod since because i hopped the plane and went to berlin for the eurobasket semifinals it was the start of my berlin munich oktoberfest uh vienna berno prague frankfurt trip um uh, i don't know if you you can throw in some questions that you might have for me i don't know either for the trip or for the for, for the eurobasket experience but you know i th- i flew out thursday night uh, september 15th my Lufthansa flight was like an hour late getting out of here because of bad weather. And um, I was worried I was going to miss my flight from Frankfurt to Berlin. And thankfully, the Frankfurt to Berlin flight ended up being an hour late itself. So really, I didn't lose any time. So it worked out. Um, I got into Berlin. I got into my hotel room in Berlin at 3.30 in the afternoon local time. So I had to check. You know, I was, I was able to check in, get in a quick shower because the first game was uh was france poland and france you know beat poland but um you know it was a 515 tip so uh you know thankfully my hotel is like a short 10 minute walk from uh the mercedes-benz arena in berlin and so i got to check out the uh the berlin wall that's like right outside of the arena it's just it's just below the the arena because that's that's where there is a river and uh that's where there's a lot of famous uh, murals and paintings and graffiti there that that a lot of tourists like to check out. So that was really cool. Go getting into the arena and just walking up to the arena is really cool because there's a bunch of restaurants and like I think there's like a rooftop bar nearby. Like there's it, it's a very uh, well put together area surrounding this arena, unlike Amway Center, which hopefully they'll alleviate that. But um, you know, I get in and I had I ordered these tickets i had ordered these EuroBasket semifinal tickets in march not knowing who was going to be in this game in these two games um i was very surprised that poland was one of the four teams march and gortet i'm sure was thrilled um you know france beat them in that first final i was sitting uh eight rows from from uh the baseline so i had a I had really good seats and um I was sitting next to the majority of Polish fans, so Polish fans were really, really good. I had a few annoying French fans behind me uh, that they were just a little annoying. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, I had fun with the Polish fans. I, they lost, but they they brought a really good atmosphere. Eurobasket atmospheres are just so fun, man, because it's it's a lot of clapping, it's a lot of chants, it's a lot of uh, really good DJ music. Like there's. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, and just every the intent, the intensity of these games is way higher than even most NBA postseason games. Like, you'd have to get into an NBA finals to get anywhere near as close as intense as, as those EuroBasket games were. But then, you know, France to beat Poland. Uh, there, there's like a brief intermission. I, I was, you know, I got, I got a quick meal there. I've been walking around the arena. Dirk Nowitzki's getting mobbed by like hundreds of fans in the arena who just won his autograph. So, uh, you know, I was like about 50 feet from Dirk when I walked by and he was just surrounded by people. It was crazy. But then Germany lost to Spain. Um, you know, it is. It, it was fun being at the at, in there. That was a very fun game. Really good back and forth atmospheres, back and forth just styles of play and and runs between Spain and Germany. And even though I saw Franz lose, it was you know, and and Wagner didn't have his best game in that. Um, even though Gordy Herbert, the coach, will probably regret not starting Franz the second half of that game because that's when Spain really turned it on. But credit to Spain, they played better. They ended up winning gold. Shout out to the Hernan Gomez brothers and Bo Cruz. Like that's uh, yeah, that, that that's amazing that Spain continues even without the Gasol brothers and their golden generation, basically other than Rudy Fernandez, like they Spain co- continues to just kick ass in these tournaments. Um, and then uh, I wasn't there for it. Cause I was then in Munich for Oktoberfest, but Germany did route Poland in the third place game to claim bronze. So you know, FIBA Franz gets to be called Bronze Wagner for a little bit, as, uh, you know, he helped get Germany their first FIBA medal since 2005 when they won silver at that 2005 year old basket. Franz didn't have to do much in this bronze medal game. The host had to full control of the game. It's it's really cool for him. You know, Coach Gordy Herbert, he had immense praise for the 21 year old Franz after the tourney concluded. And, you know, his future with the national team is really bright and it'll be awesome when his brother plays with them next year. But in this Euro basket, Franz averaged 15.2 points per game, four boards, 1.7 assists on 53.3% field goal shooting, 45.7 three point percentage shooting, 90% free throw shooting. And on an average plus minus of plus 7.1. So um, he hit, he hit 50, 40, 90, which is phenomenal. And, for your first senior national tournament to, to be that efficient, to be that impactful, that's that's impressive. Um, Magic assistant coach Brett Breelmeyer was actually on the Germany staff, so Franz was able to get his solo work in, along with winning a medal with the German national team. So, um, And just looking at his developed offensive arsenal, you can see that work that was put in. And I'll be curious to see if we limit Franz's minutes in the preseason, but he's healthy, he's young we'll see how close to 20 points per game he can average this season. You know, we talked about how Paolo might be able to average 20. It could be Franz that does it um, because I only see him going up from that 15.6 that he averaged last season. On a, that was very efficient, and we were begging for him to get more touches. Um, you know, I can recall Dirk Nowitzki had a nightmare rookie season. Dirk came back his sophomore season and just had – you know, averaged like 17 and a half points per game and he was on his way to being a stud. I wonder if Franz hits kind of that mark as well. Franz, I can see and view as some type of Novitsky deadlip shrimp type hybrid, um, where he's already shown he's kind of a smarter Edo Turkoglu, minus the clutch shot taking. Like there's so much with Franz, and you can even add more athleticism to to that. Um, and I just don't see a ceiling with Franz. It's all about kind of balancing the team and increasing his assertiveness now going forward. And we already mentioned it, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Franz is going to get some shooting guard minutes in, in these preseason games. Um, I hope Franz can handle those shorter and quicker guards. It'll be a good test for him. If he can, that opens up even more possibilities, but I don't know what questions you, what do you got on Franz? What do you got on my trip or any, anything you can ask me go for it, Penny.
1: Well, yeah, I just, I, (laughs) on a on a worst case scenario i think Franz is going to end up being kind of the swiss army knife of the roster and that he can uh, i think he has the mental fortitude to slide into whatever role is being asked of him if it's assisting more if it's you know scrapping it up defensively or if it's uh shooting and scoring more so i think Um, he's probably the millionaire's version of what we were hoping for with Chuma, you know? Um, And I think that's just kind of a floor for him. So it'll be really fascinating to see what kind of jump or if he takes a leap this year and and how the game continues to evolve. Uh, You touched on it a bit, but for everyone else that's more domestic that might be listening to the podcast, can you compare the, in arena environment for let's say a playoff game or a finals game compared to, you know, knockout stage, uh, tournament play.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just so much more meaningful and intense. Like these guys are just with the, the fans are just way more involved. Like you don't have to play like in, in game music or any of that. Like it's, it's crazy. Like it's, it's so loud in there there's so much like natural sound and it's just I, I like I said I haven't been to an NBA Finals game um you know we've watched them on TV and whatnot but I I got to think this is even more in, intense and more crazy of an atmosphere than even that um
1: most importantly do they do they launch t-shirts there
0: they actually do did throw T-shirts. There, there's some three T-shirt uh, tossing going on in that in, in that arena. So uh, there is some American stuff going on in there uh, for sure. But that arena is really cool, man. It, it's a really nice arena. You could put it up against uh, most other NBA arenas, and it would fare fairly well. Um, the seating arrangements are very different and how it's done, but um, is really cool. Uh, I was just I, I enjoyed traveling to all those cities by train, um, really cool train system, something that I dreamed to see one day in this country, um, which we're nowhere close to when it comes to train systems like that. But, um, it was fun. It was fun being in Munich for Oktoberfest. Like it was, it it was just, it was great. Berlin, Berlin's pretty, Berlin's a cool place. It's the second time I'd ever been. The first time I went, I was with my dad when I was 13 there. Um, and it was, I was seeing most of like the Western part of Berlin. This time I was in on the Eastern side and um, you can just see very, how very different it all is. And yeah. Any, any other questions in regard to that, that you got off the top of your head? I mean, we talk about this stuff offline too. That's fine, but.
1: I just enjoy your Mr. Public Transport. So anytime you get the, the uh, benefits of, of uh, actual useful rail design I'm
0: here for it um all right let's get into Morris Wagner so he was my favorite media day interview out of all of them he's got that edge to him his team needs and you can tell he's hungry to play he sprained his ankle and missed all of German national team duty so he had to watch a lot of his brother while from the sidelines you know beat Eurobasket or even some of the games before then as well but I I think Mo, I think Morris can take minutes away from Mo Bamba he was better than Bomba last season in my eyes. And if we if we're truly trying to compete, Mo Wagner will earn more minutes this season. I, I really can see it. Now he's at a bit of a disadvantage because last year, I mean, he came in, he was playing for the German national team. He got them into the Olympics through their Olympic qualifiers. He played in the Olympics. So he was kind of riding in on a high. Whereas this time, like he's kind of coming in cold. So that might hurt him coming into this preseason. But like that guy competes his ass off. And he makes the most of his minutes. He really, he makes the most of his minutes and I I'll be, it'll be interesting to see kind of if, if Mo Bamba's motor isn't where it needs to be, like will Mosley give those minutes to Moritz and how does that play out? Or will he, will Isaac be around and maybe Isaac gets those backup center minutes. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, Yeah. I don't know. What are your Mo Wagner thoughts? Uh, It's, the the guy played his ass off last season, and I he he really won a lot of fans over.
1: I mean the the hope is that he doesn't play, right? I mean,
0: I mean but- that's that's kind of what I mean. Based off of pay scale and everything, like ideally, you really want Morris to be like the third center or third power forward or something like that. That's kind of like that's where things are going, kind of as planned with the Magic. But I I just think he's gonna find his way to get in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, he, no qualms about what he contributed last year. Certainly he's going to push Mo Bamba to, uh, you know, for the backup center minutes. Um, and hopefully that pushes Mo to perform better. And it's nice to have the brother action going on. And look, at the end of the day, if Luke Cornette can be an NBA mainstay, then, you know, more power to Mo for, scrapping and hanging on and and doing some valuable things on and off the court
0: yeah for sure um yeah it's he, he's kind of he's gonna be kind of the one of the one of the least talk about unknowns coming in because magic fans and media have kind of been focusing on other things and mo Wagner's just kind of like there as as just this presence that he probably doesn't deserve as much or initially, or you don't think he deserves as much time as he gets, but then you look at his stats, you look at the impact he has and it's like, how do you not play this guy? So that's, that's going to be interesting. So, all right, let's get into Chuma. Uh, Used to be Chuma Okiki. Now it's Chuma Okiki, I guess is how he wants it to be pronounced. Although when he said it, I was looking at some of the comments and there's like a bunch of Nigerians tweeting back saying Chuma's still not saying it correctly. So I don't know. Maybe we're going to get another correction, but we'll go with OKK for now um, with Chuma looking at the offseason videos. The shot looks ugly as ever. Um, if he's not shooting over 35% from three, I'm worried about his future. I, I don't care how the shot looks as long as it's not getting swatted away. And as long as it's going in at a reasonable clip last season, he was continuously playing catch up because he was hurt and missed, you know, missed training camp or preseason. Now he's healthy. He's healthy for all of it. Um, can Big Choom carve out consistent rotation minutes? Is the question because you got Jonathan Isaac and you got Caleb Houston will be breathing down his neck, most likely. Um you know, right now I got Chuma slotted in as either like a backup small forward or a backup power forward. But, I mean, he's he's in the rotation. He he can only play himself out of it. What's your Chuma thoughts?
1: I, I'm very similar to you, but I'm not certain. I think there's a pretty big chance that we see him out of the rotation. Um, and it really it just depends on which way we want to go with the construction of the lineup. So, yeah. Uh, I I think the preseason is stupid to say, but I think the preseason is (laughs) going to be big for him. Yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and he's got, I would say, of all of the players, including Mo Bamba, uh, Chuma has the farthest to fall just in terms of You know the where he could be and where he could end up, depending on how things shake out, and all of it. You know, it might not even be entirely his fault or his doing. If other people step up and and really, you know, come to play, I think there's a chance that we see him squeezed out of the playing rotation um, sooner rather than later. You 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 anticipate him being, let's say, in a nine man rotation. even if the magic are in 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 contention.
0: I think so because I mean he he does enough defensively and just he moves the ball well. It's just that shot. If that shot's going in, he's golden. If that shot's not going in, he's in trouble. That's that's literally what it comes down to at this point. Because Chuma makes the right decisions. Chuma's in good shape. He's he's healthy. Like we've seen what this guy can do with the ball in his hands, you know, with with added responsibility on his plate. But we've also seen that, you know, when things go bad for him, like he can vanish real quick. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were making Kawhi Leonard comparisons about the guy. Like, it's it's there for him, but I I can easily see how this goes bad. I mean, I, it can go really bad. Because remember, we got to get, we, you know, he, I consider him a candidate for maybe not even making the final roster. It could go that bad. Because we've got, you know, the Magic haven't announced uh, you know, the picking up of, of net of next season's rookie uh, contracts, you know, rookie extensions. So our rookie team options, that's what I was looking for. Rookie team options. So, you know, he, RJ Hampton, who we're going to talk about next, like those guys aren't, you can't completely leave them out because if they're poorly performing and you can't find another candidate to get rid of, like I'm not completely leaving Chuma out of this, which would be it sounds crazy, but I just I can't, you can't do it. So um, that's why you know there's gonna be pressure on him, and he needs to he needs to just shoot well. That's what it comes down to. Any other thoughts before we get to RJ? I,
1: I'm I'm sitting here shocked that <laughs> I mean I don't know that you're necessarily wrong, but you go he can he can conceivably play himself off the roster. The door shuts real quick in the NBA, especially when the entire team constructed around you is 19 years old.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he's, he's one of the older guys uh, on this team. I think he's probably like a top seven person as far as age goes now. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it can happen quick. I I just, I have to bring it up as a possibility just because from a money and a contract perspective, RJ Hampton, he's one of those candidates as well. Um, Now my question with RJ Hampton is, and I didn't bring it up before, Are we sure he's not in the starting shooting guard conversation as even like a a 2% possibility? Because he has the size and the speed.
1: Somebody stop this man. (laughs) He
0: shot 40% on catch and shoot threes last season. If he focuses more on just defending and spot up shooting, he's going to surprise a lot of people in a good way. But if he's still playing point guard, if he's handling the ball a lot, and Mosley staff isn't coaching with some level and some degree of discipline, RJ may be in trouble. Um, can he take minutes away from Ross Suggs and, you know, a returning Gary Harris? I I can't leave it off the table. I can't, I'm sorry. Obviously I run RJ Hampton Island. Like I, you know, you want a ticket to it. You know, you want to hop a boat and take a ride over RJ Hampton Island. Like you got to go through me. I'm the booker. So, um, but I can't like, he has the frame. He has the talent. It's just all about just putting it all together and no one's been talking about him in camp so far that that that's the only concern I have like you know we're, we're gonna talk about him next but ball ball's getting so much talked about like I'm concerned when guys like chuma and RJ aren't getting any convert you know aren't getting involved in any of the conversation and more Fogner as well like those three guys have been like the least talked about guys in camp um, maybe that's a good thing I, I don't know we're gonna see but um I also can't completely remove the fact that RJ Hampton is a Mike Miller con, you know, uh, Mike Miller. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Mike Miller. Uh, yeah, Mike uh, Miller's agent anyway. Sorry. That's what I was going to go with, but I, I can't rule that out. There's that Palo Bancaro kind of connection. I'm not saying that's going to have any influence on this at all, but it's, it's something to keep in the back of your head, but the door, we talked about how the doors open for Suggs, but, if Suggs ain't shooting well, and here's RJ Hampton at six, 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 seven, shooting the ball well, playing good defense, making semi decent, good fast break decisions. Like I can't rule it out. So, but at the same time, he could easily play himself off the team entirely in two weeks. That's that's where we're at from a contract perspective, too. So um he has the most to win and or lose at this point, is my viewpoint of RJ Hampton. I don't know if you agree or disagree. I don't know if you got another candidate. Maybe it's Chuma, like I just brought up, but um RJ's the one that could literally swing one way or the other. Like he could be, he could be starting in two weeks. It's not completely outrageous to bring that up. I, I have to bring it up because the tools are there. But he could also completely play himself off the team. And I'm the only person with this take, and that's fine. People can crucify me for it, but that's where I'm at with him.
1: He's certainly the most frustrating player on the roster because all the physical tools are there. Can he put any of them together in a way that makes a meaningful contribution instead of being a hundred mile an hour, uh, non effective Leandro Barbosa?
0: I think uh, that's, I, I was going to say, you've already brought him up. You can say Larry Hughes. That's more disrespectful. At least Leandro Barbosa had like a hell of a career and was a champion. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's.
1: Your your point is that he's one of the best catch and shoot shooters, but he is though. Could somebody else have better percentage while doing other things better? And I think the answer is Yes for probably three or four different guys on the roster.
0: But who like other than starting Franz at shooting guard, that's the thing though, because he's RJ as sh- a better shooter than Suggs and Cole. That's the thing. Now that might change. That might completely change hundred percent, you know, when in this preseason, but I'm just telling you, like, unless you start starting Franz at shooting guard, like I can't rule out RJ. That's the thing. Like RJ, like st- the numbers are there. The statistics are there. Like in a, in a three and D situation, RJ is a possible is a possible candidate. That's where I'm at.
1: See, the, this is the frustrating thing too, from a from a team building and fan perspective, because there are so many guys that are young with potential. That let's just assume that you know RJ is the twelfth player on the roster, which is not. I don't think that's the stretch. So he's not getting regular rotation minutes and Mm -hmm. at that point who you know maybe not so much 2022 but two years like who would you rather have rj or anthony tolliver and to me i feel like those those types of spots on such a young team where you're developing so many guys like at a certain point the guys at the end of the bench probably need to be veterans that are okay playing spot minutes instead of young guys that need development to be whoever they're going to be so i i i I don't know and that's what makes the preseason extra intriguing this year as compared to you know even in years past when we have so many young guys that we're eager to see but there's so many young guys that are really fighting each other for for jobs that uh while the results may not mean as much the individual uh, results will, will mean quite a, a, quite a big deal.
0: Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get off the RJ Hampton soapbox here. So, all right, Bobo, he's getting some love from teammates and it's going to be interesting to see how much preseason action he gets. Um, you know, I was right about how like the magic wouldn't have kept him on the team last season. If they didn't plan on resigning him, they resigned him or they you know, they brought him back anyway. Um, he's on a, I think he's on a one year deal maybe it's a one plus a team option, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how much preseason action and minutes he gets and in like what type of capacity, because he's a, he's one of the main candidates for being cut. If he shoots as well as I think he can shoot though. And if he can avoid being a defensive liability, which is the bigger question, because Bobo doesn't play defense Um, at least historically, he hasn't played defense, but if he does, he's sticking around and he brings something at his size, when his mobility that few others can like, like we're talking Kevin Durant type stuff, mobility wise for, and he's, he's way bigger than Kevin Durant, even size wise. So, um, but bowl seems happy with his magic team. And I want to see him with on court urgency. That's kind of what it comes down to. He's kind of got a, a motor issue kind of like Mo Bamba does, but um, I, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think, I think Bobo is basic, is near the top as far as guys that, that could be cut and may not end up being on the team come opening night of the regular season. But, I mean, what's your views on him? He's not a center. People say he's a center. He's not a center. He's a perimeter guy. You can put him at power forward as a stretch four, but he's not a fucking center. He's, he's not an interior guy.
1: Yeah, I think I would just be wary. any Any person that's getting that much love – Throughout training camp, uh, there's typically either uh, an ulterior motive involved or, uh, you know, or again, it's Larry Hughes. So so, um, (laughs) it'll be fun to see him play. He's been out for a while um, and the skill set and frame, not frame, the skill set and length is so tantalizing uh, specifically for our basketball operations in front office Um that it's just it's it's have you ever have we ever had a team where there's like nine guys that are just super interesting it's been a while right I mean oh boy it's there's there's so many ways for all of this to shake out Um I guess again. you gotta go
0: back to like the hard and hustle team right because I mean right. that was like that was like near the top of what we got
1: so many individual storylines ready to play out and uh, it all starts tonight, which is great. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Look, uh, even, even if he performs, where do you find time for him? Like regular time for him? So um, we'll see. It's tough.
0: You almost can't unless he's like, he comes out and like one of these preseason games and drops 20 in a game. Like that's, that's when it's like, Oh shit! Now we got to figure out minutes for Bull Bull. Okay, um, like he's gonna have to have like a ridiculously scoring game. But he he did well in but the bubble games with Denver. Like that's that's the funny yeah. thing. It's like this is the 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 stage for him to actually come out and just score like crazy. Like it, it could actually happen. That's that's the funny thing. But he's got to also get the minutes. So again, we'll see how much he gets in preseason. But um, all right. We got, what, two left, uh, two players left. Devin Kennedy. He has to shoot lights out from the perimeter this preseason because unless T. Ross gets dealt away or unless, like, Bull Bull gets cut, I think he's he might be the guy to get waves. He's 26 years old. Devin's been very active on Twitter and showing a ton of Orlando support on social media. Like, he wants to be here. I want him to be here. I'm pretty sure you want him to be here. He was awesome, amazing on draft night like but he's he's just got to hit shots because he's not a point guard even though he's basically the third string point guard like he's a seth curry type of guy that's going to knock shots down but that's about all you can expect from him is to be a a three-point shooter and he was our best three-point shooter last season um yeah i mean that's what it comes down to with him if he's hitting shots he he makes things interesting if he doesn't he's probably the the number one candidate to be gone, which sucks because I, I love Devin and his story is awesome.
1: Great story. He's at a significant disadvantage uh, with both height and length. So, yeah. uh, and it's not, I, we would not classify him as a three and D guy either. He's, no. a, th- he's a three guy. Yeah. So uh, in order to be a three guy, you've got to, I mean, let's be honest he's he's probably got to push every bit of 45 percent from deep uh i mean it's it's going to be it's going to have to be an obscene number uh i feel i guess we we feel happy that they've uh, signed him and paid him to this point yeah feel very bad that they trotted him around to do uh radio hits and uh, a lot of the community engagement events to then send him on his way. Um, hey, it still, might not be him, though. That's the thing. It might not be. We don't might, know. If I had to put a wager on on it today, um, I would lean that direction. And that's why, you know, it's a uh, sports is a business. And sometimes the best story is not the ultimate outcome. I still
0: think T Ross getting traded away in the next two weeks is the most likely outcome. That's, that's where I'm at, but I would put, I would put Devin second, but you're probably right. He's, I mean, he's definitely probably the odds on favorite to be the guy gone. That's, that's where we're at right now, but that's the magic of preseason. That's the magic of whatever the hell Weltham are doing right now. Like we, you're lying. If you know, you know, you either got to be in the organization or, you know, you you just don't know. So, um, yeah. Good luck to Devin. That's all. That's all we got to say for him at this point. Um, all right. One more player, Caleb Houston. So the second round draft pick, he, he has his four year contract. Um, I think the first two years are guaranteed, if I'm right, but um, you are locked in as the 15th man in my eyes. Can Caleb find a way to earn minutes now? It's, it's not expected of Caleb, but if he shows great three and D abilities out of the gate in preseason, It's possible. He has the size to potentially turn into a Franz Wagner type of player. And a year ago, Franz wasn't viewed as he is now. Wagner had struggled in summer league and all a preseason. And it wasn't until the games actually counted that Franz turned it on. So we'll see if Caleb um, can, can kind of work his way into the rotation. You know, it's it's possible if guys like RJ and Schumer are struggling, um, Caleb, he was okay at Vegas. Not, you know, He had one good game, and that was about it. I'm still unhappy he didn't get to run point guard in Vegas like he does with the Canadian national team where the ball's in his hands a bit more. So they're treating him more as a 3 and D guy, and I, I think that's just going to kind of limit what he's going to be able to do. But what, what are your Caleb viewpoints?
1: yeah so i think uh in terms of what we saw in vegas outside of the you know one really standout shooting performance was a lot of activity and off-ball movement uh which always you know uh makes makes the coaches fans of you so um yeah to to your point this is a guy that has an basically he's locked in by virtue of the way the contracts are distributed that He's for sure on the 15-man roster. Uh, I don't. I don't think we'll see him in Lakeland too much. Um, But I do think that he has the unique opportunity to, as a second-round pick, come in and leapfrog a number of established veterans that are on the young veterans that are on the team um and hell maybe even you know depending on what shakes out terrence ross or even gary harris i I don't think we'll play obviously i don't think we'll play caleb at the two yeah i I don't think he's mobile enough for it with so much versatility on the roster I, i wouldn't be shocked to see like him slot in ahead of rj hampton or something too so um he's got everything in front of him as do you know basically 12 to 13 of the other, uh, <laughs> up the roster. so we just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah. Also he's got, he's got that Jay Z voice kind of going for him too. Maybe he'll make something of it, but no. Um, yeah, so that's it for the players. I do want to bring up kind of co- head coach Jamal Mosley. Cause You know, he said all the right things over the past week. He seems more relaxed entering his second season as head coach. That kind of was apparent both on the magic pod squad episode he did and just over the past week. And look, he lost us a lot, you know, quite a few games early on last season. And that was good for the tank, but that's, that's not going to work now here if we're trying to be competitive, but you know, can he get into kind of a winning coaching mode out of the gate now? Cause I mean, he was talking about, Hey, we, you know, the teams, it's time for the team to level up. Like, you know, last year it was all about kind of just implementing everything and getting everybody familiarized. Now it's like, okay, you know everything. Show me what you got. So we'll see if that's a real thing or if that's just talk. Um, you know, is tanking going to consume him like it did with Fawn? I, You know, he's got more talent than JV ever had with this current Magic team in my eyes. But um, any Mosley thoughts,
1: Penny? Oh, I got a few. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and the I, bell's
0: back! God damn it! I hate the
1: bell being back. There's so much room in that. It's a, a probably a, a cavernous new training facility, practice court, and they're gonna bring the bell over there. And uh, I, I can't believe it. I believe it, but I'm disgusted by it. Uh, look, we don't know what the organizational directive is this year for real. We yeah. we know it's coming out of people's mouths, but we don't know. Uh, what's going on behind closed doors that being said i think externally we are allowed to judge the coach now based on performance on the court so Mm -hmm. this is i think a significant year for him Um, especially look if the magic start out real hot and fade and i'm talking you know past november like if we're in the top six, seven, getting into December and then fade. Sure, it's uh, that tough schedule. I I think there's an opportunity to. He he's got a unique situation in front of him too, right? You start out hot and fade, you put yourself on the hot seat. You start out cold and stay cold. I think you put yourself on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. The, the only real way for him to uh, stay in the good graces, I think, of of everybody is to have that kind of. Uh, small incremental improvement over the course of the year, ending up in, you know, maybe the 30 win range, 35 wins. Um, Then everyone goes, okay, we're taking a step forward and he's the right guy to do it. And he's coming back uh, feeling real cool, calm, and, you know, confident. Um, He's got, I think he has a long way to go. I don't think that's unique to him. I think that's pretty much true of every rookie head coach. Yeah. Um, getting the opportunity to slide into the first chair there. But uh, I was not necessarily impressed with last year. We don't know how much of that we can, you know, lay at his feet in terms of blame versus, you know, maybe his hands were tied. Maybe they were orchestrating some things. Certainly some of the uh, roster, some of the lineup decisions in close games where there's like wholesale changes that happen <laughs> uh, just to test something out. So I, I think there's a lot to watch for, for Mo's this year. And um, again, there's a lot of ways for it to play out and not all of them, I think keep him and his job safe.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, we'll talk about it next pod episode when we do our predictions, but like the, I think the magic over under is that for wins is at 26 and a half somewhere there, maybe 27 and a half. But like if this team doesn't win more than 29 games, like, He is on the hot seat for sure going into next season. Now, the only way uh, I think he's fine for this season, like he he would like a locker room fight would have to break out or he'd just have to lose control of all these guys fighting for minutes. Like he'd have to completely kind of lose his head, which, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. It's happened to other coaches in the past. So, you know, you can't out. You definitely can't rule it out as I, you know, I, I like Mosley as a person. I like the D.I. Yeah, I like his positivity. I just he's a very, very good communicator. And he seems to be pretty stable in his outlook on on basketball things. So he's got that going for him. Um, and we'll see. It, it's it's one of those where. You know, it, this season is really a, it could go a million different ways for him. And. It's gonna be fascinating to see. You know, he's got a lot of winning over to do still in my eyes. Um, yeah. So that's it. Go looking over the roster. I got a few other uh thoughts to bring about before we get out of here. I, I know this is a long episode, but you know, we've been out, we've been gone a while. So um, Ryan Lynch of the Orlando Business Journal talked to Alex Martins at the Advent Health Training Center uh, unveiling. He says early 2023, so early next year, they'll start uh construction of the entertainment complex with completion set to be done in the middle of 2025. This project has been rumored since 2011. They've moved the start date back a dozen times. Kobe price of the Orlando Sentinel. Then a few days ago came out with a piece that says similar things. They're going to start by no later than the end of March, 2023 with completion by sometime in 2025, which is interesting timing because the NBA after Utah in 2023, 2023, this season and Indianapolis in 2024 haven't yet picked their future all-star weekend cities for 2025 and beyond I think San Francisco and the Warriors is a lock the Kings in Sacramento would really really badly want one I don't know if they're going to get one but um, you know after that Orlando could be in the mix you know we did great hosting in 1992 we got jobbed in 2012 because it was the lockout season and it wasn't as busy as it should have been, even though it was still great, but you know, the league still owes us for 2012. I think 2026 is ours. We're, we're definitely putting bids in, you know, is this finally it, penny? Is this project finally happening? I think it is because they have to connect Amway center with the training center now. Otherwise you got that ugly kind of vacant parking lot situation now between the two.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely happening. Look, we've been to a number of NBA cities where they've developed, uh, you know, around the arena in such a way that has been successful. Uh, When the Amway Center was built, there was a small-scale effort to revitalize the immediate area around the arena. Mm -hmm. uh, And, you know, even well before... Well, I don't even know. Maybe a year after the arena was built, it seemed like seventy-five to eighty percent of those businesses had shuttered. So yeah, they, they, it was it was a high percentage. You're not wrong. It's gonna be interesting to see how this one is built out, especially now with kind of the changing overall macro conditions of what you know downtowns look like now and what downtowns will look like moving forward. Um, and and also the fact that we're you know, despite the Orlando city and, and the solar bears were, a, you know, one team town in terms of, uh, events that drive traffic to the arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, look, we, we need it to work, I think as a, as a city. Um, and I'll be interested to see what it looks like when it comes to fruition, but I certainly believe that it's a, a lock to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's yeah. I, 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 it it seems to be kind of a sure thing that this is definitely happening now. I mean, it's, there's there's multiple articles now out on it, and there's there's a high confidence level, and it seems like the 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 it's going to happen, and it's they're it's going to make the DeVos family a bunch of money. So I don't see why they wouldn't do it uh, at this point. All right, uh, I got to bring up Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland because I was talking about him a bunch in the offseason. as uh, Somebody the Magic should have went after. It sucks how good the Cavs can be now that they've acquired Mitchell, but you know I wouldn't have wanted the Magic to give up three unrestricted first round picks and then two first round pick swaps on top of that. And Cleveland gave up their draft pick in June. Um, Sexton, you know they gave up Colin Sexton a sign and trade, and also Laurie Markkinen, who's really good uh, especially if he stays healthy you know that's a lot to give up for a guy who hasn't made an all nba team yet um i view donovan mitchell as a top 20 player in the league though and no other top 20 player in the league was more obtainable for the magic this offseason than him in my eyes i am relieved that he didn't end up in our division with a rival like miami charlotte and the wizards were rumored to him so i'm glad that didn't pan out um what was your viewpoint on the Mitchell trade and kind of our inaction of, of not going after him? I mean, it wasn't surprising, but still.
1: Yeah. Cer- certainly not surprising for the magic to not be active. <laughs> um, but it, it was a, quite a haul. Uh, I can talk about Danny Ainge another day, uh, hmm. and the accumulation going on there. Uh, Cleveland's, Cleveland's certainly scary. Um, but I think that with proper continued uh, internal growth and and uh, you know external acquisitions over the next year or two, I I don't think they're it's not someone that we're changing our timeline because of what they've built. So uh, they've got a lot going on over there. Um, it was it was quite a haul though. It was quite a haul to acquire. So uh, I'll be interested to see how all the pieces fit this season. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Statement jerseys for the magic were revealed on September 15th. Pinstripes. It's always an upgrade. So I'm glad we got pinstripes back with these. Uh, The collar could be better in my eyes, but the black outlining with the stars down the sides looks good. I, I, you know, it's, it was a bold move and I think it's good. You know, it looks different, but you know, you keep pinstripes, you got the stars looking like the late nineties, early 2000 jerseys. Like it's, it's great. It's just that damn current Orlando Magic font that's that's holding these jerseys back. But it's it's probably the our best jersey of the of of the of the four that we have. I guess. Um, I don't know. What's your viewpoint on these penny? Like, it, it's an upgrade. Just got to change that font.
1: I, I agree with you on the font. I have a hard disagree. I think the uh, the home white and away black are uh, to me still better than this new iteration of the okay. jersey. I, look the you're you're right the wood the word mark the the font really holds it back. I do like the blending of the pinstripes and the you know dazzle stars from from the you know two iterations ago mm-hmm. uh, there's something about like the wide pinstripe on the blue jersey that is uh, I don't know it's kind of weird to me
0: fair enough all right um yeah I mean, that's that's about it. You know, I, we're, we're getting into preseason tonight. Like we're, we're, we're tipping off shortly against Memphis. Like I, I don't care about preseason results. Like guys get rested left and right on both, you know, on, on all these teams. Just get at least one win over the next two weeks. Don't get skunked. Um, you know, we're at Memphis tonight at San Antonio Thursday, October 6th. We're at Dallas second night of a back to back on the 7th. You're gonna have to stream those road games. You get access to the League Pass to watch them, and then we finish the you know the preseason with two televised home games. You got Tuesday, October the 11th against the Grizzlies again, and then Friday, October the 14th against Cleveland. We're gonna get a good look at Donovan Mitchell most likely in that in that situation. But um, I, I want to see Mosley experiment with lineups. Um, you want to see guys get in shape. You want to see them build that chemistry and just stay healthy. And then. The real thing starts Wednesday, October the 19th in Detroit. But, you know, that's it. Our next episode is likely going to be before the regular season starts, so we'll be making our season predictions then. If you've been negatively impacted by Hurricane Ian, just hang in there. Better days are ahead. Penny, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: No injuries, no nicks.
0: <laughs> Sounds good, man. We, uh, we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. It, it helps our podcast rating a lot. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle?
1: At Spencer Stroke.
0: And I am at MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go Magic.